Welcome to the Victor Rodriguez Podcast, where I talk about current events, news, politics, science, and just general ramblings that come to my mind. If you uh, don't like strong opinions or get offended easy, then don't bother listening. Hello everyone, this is the uh, Victor Rodriguez Podcast. Um, I'm your host, uh, Kevin. Actually, no, I'm Victor Rodriguez. And... There goes, um, if you tuned in for some quality uh, um, comedy with this podcast, uh, you'll be disappointed. Anyways, so this is going to be a kind of current events sort of podcast, um, science, news, whatever, whatever comes to my mind, pretty much. Um, Now, this is my first podcast. episode and I'm actually recording it as well so unless you're actually watching this right now on YouTube eventually this snippets of these podcasts will actually be on YouTube pretty much uh, snippets that are kind of coherent enough to put on there and hopefully um, that sound somewhat smart anyways I actually tried to record this episode like two days ago and I completely bombed it it was about as like about as coherent as a um donald trump rally speech but anyways so it's going to be a bunch of you know this episode is going to be pretty political heavy just because of the current events and why not why not alienate you know 60 percent of the uh audience right off the bat that way we can kind of not waste your time Um, If you don't like hearing differing opinions or opinions at all or whatever, or if you came here just to um, listen to, you know, cooking recipes or something. Okay, let's get to it. So I was going to, I have a list over here and I I was going to start with with that stuff, but I I saw something today that... um, I want to talk about first and that's the the Twitter post this is this is recorded on June 28th so and this is going to be a weekly podcast just so you know um, but this was recorded uh, June 28th and Trump actually posted a video or not posted a video retweeted a video that somebody else posted of a parade a Trump supporter parade and it's actually a golf cart parade and and you can tell the um you can tell the fascists have kind of gone um fallen a long way since the 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 heydays in the 30s when they had these young strapping you know handsome guys in uniforms marching down the streets now they have (laughs) old dudes and old ladies in golf carts going down the road that's all they can muster at this point anyways so it's a video of this golf cart parade and then there's actually counter protesters um lining the street now of course as i said this is going to be you know some snippets of this are of this podcast is is being video recorded and it's going to be on youtube so you can either be watching it or if not listen to it and i will actually narrate now the controversy is he posted it and then he removed it it's a man what the it's actually the lead guy on this parade 
uh, yells out white power. And then there's a bunch of other stuff, and it you know it's kind of hilarious to watch. So I'm gonna show it. It's about two minutes long, but he Trump took it down, and his excuse was that he didn't hear the guy say white power in the uh, beginning of the video. Which, if you watch it, I doubt he didn't hear it unless he just randomly posts stuff without vetting it first, which is in my opinion almost worse because that means he's just irresponsible and he'll put out any message without vetting it first so who knows anyways let's uh take a look and uh there it is. there's a video and how do i get the sound on okay and let's go And there it is, the guy's saying white power. And if you don't see what's going on, it's literally a golf cart parade. They got um, golf carts with, you know, flags on it. And, 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 and of course, if you're watching this, you're like, why am I telling you this? I can see it. But of course, this is a podcast. The people listening can't see it. You know, literally flags and little spinny things that you put in your lawn for the wind to spin around with glitter and stuff. It's literally a golf cart parade with like, 60 70 80 year old guys and women and let's continue watching it's it's actually kind of hilarious um let's watch i love this lady if you didn't hear that uh she's saying you know f trump and of course, um, the lady says, oh, you know, the, the Trump supporters like, oh, you know, nasty language. And the lady responds, well, if you're offended, what well, I, I forget exactly what she said, but essentially, like, if you're offended by that, you know, listen to your president. You know, if you think about, you know, he uses fuck and shit and all sorts of stuff all the time. Um, anyways, and by the way, that that itself doesn't offend me if a president uses those words. What, what what gets me is when they use it in a way to attack people um, like minorities and, and 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 so on. It's the rhetoric itself, the message that's being sent that if, that gets me, not the words. Because I swear like a racehorse. Um, no, sailor. Uh, yeah, screwed that one up. Anyways, let's continue. Now the lady that was saying fuck Trump is now in front of the golf cart and the guy's like essentially like trying to run her over. <laughs> um yeah. And now now she moved out of the way and now the parade of Trump supporters keeps going on. You fucking turn. Trump, four more. 
We're the minorities that support Trump. Exactly. They, they don't come out because they will not vote for him. And there's a, a cart that's going uh, by saying support the police. This old lady. If you if you can't hear it, hopefully you can. Uh, she's saying, "Grab him by the pussy." It's one of the um, counter protesters. <laughs> this one lady's like slapping her butt. Anyways, uh, quite a lively bunch of people on both sides, right? Um, was it what Trump? What what did Trump say? Uh, a bunch of fine people on 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 either side, right? I guess. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't believe he didn't see he he didn't hear that either. He either he knew what he was doing, or he just randomly retweets stuff without ever um, vetting it first. Which either way. You know, the fact that you know, you, you got to know that there's going to be some crazy stuff, you know, racist stuff that might be in videos and stuff. So he, either way, he just, he knew it or he didn't care, he, or he doesn't care, which either way, it's, it's, it's all the same to me, the way I look at it. Anyways, let's get this off the screen here. There you go. So I'm kind of learning this uh, program as well, uh, so bear with me. Anyways, now now to the uh, stuff I actually had going on here. And now, as you can probably tell, I am not a Trump supporter. I am not. Now, I, I haven't voted since uh, the last, um, the 2016 elections. I used, now, a little story about me. I, I actually, I'm 35. I voted when I was 18. Like the mi the minute I was legally able to vote, I voted. And I actually started out as a staunch Republican, like party line Republican, bought every into everything. Now I'm actually kind of if if you really want to get into it, I'm kind of like the European Social Democrats in in terms of um, beliefs, I guess, uh, political beliefs. But let me get this uh, microphone off right here, or whatever it is. Um, now, the thing is, I used to vote every election, every election. You know, it didn't matter city count or you know town supervisor that you know the the midterm elections, the off year elections, all that stuff. And I actually got into politics. I actually I actually ran for a town supervisor once, and I. Um, uh, supported political candidates, and I, I even got jobs as, as uh, um, working in campaigns. Um, and of course, I was in my twenties, uh, early twenties, and then I, 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 you know, towards you know when Obama was elected, not because of Obama, but that time period was when I kind of started to, I guess, lose support for um, politics to the point where now I only I the last I voted was a presidential elections, and I actually didn't even vote for. Trump or Hillary, I, I voted for Gary Johnson. 
And now there goes half my my uh, voter or half my audience saying, you know, you wasted your vote. I'm I'm out. Anyways, I at this point I I can't I don't see myself voting at all. I'm definitely not voting for Trump, and I am definitely not. I can't get myself to vote for Biden. You know, I, you know, there's this, you know, oh, you you have to vote. You have to vote for Biden. That way, you we don't have Trump. And it's like the way I look at it. If I vote for Biden, then I am voting for um. Ever, you know, then I'm endorsing his policies. And the fact that I just don't feel that he's fit to be president. Now, I don't think either of them are fit to be president, but for different reasons. Trump, I don't think, is fit to be president, you know, obviously because of his authoritarianism. Um, as you saw with the video, you know, all his racist rhetoric and, and dog whistling and all of that. I could go into a list. You know, the, the thing that happened in D.C., which I'll get to um, later. And all, you know, everything that has been going on and has gone on and everything, I just couldn't vote for him. But I also couldn't vote for Biden because I honestly do not feel that he, I I know it's been a conspiracy theory, but just looking at him, I just don't, I, I really don't think he will have the stamina to continue on and be president. And, you know, it, you have those who argue yeah, he'll surround himself with people, right? But the thing is, at the end of the day, just like Trump, like Trump, especially in the beginning, you may not may not agree with the people that he picked, but he surrounded himself with people who um, were all right. Not in terms of policy. That's not what I'm saying. But in terms of the fact that they had the country, you know, in their mind, the the interests of the country at heart. But even then, Trump's bad decisions still came through. And I just feel like it doesn't matter if, if Biden will surround himself with these competent people. In the end, what he says goes in terms of executive orders, in terms of ordering things, ordering departments and all that you know all the powers that come with the presidency it doesn't matter what they say like you can see when the guy when when um when biden was arguing with uh i think it was an auto worker about the second amendment and he was trying to you know and he went through this you know whole incoherent rant about ar-14s i believe it was or you know all this kind of stuff right one of his you know uh moments essentially and one of his handlers tried to saw what was going on and was trying to kind of get him off of this rant that he was about to get into and he was just like no let me go i'm i'm going to do this and it, it and he's always had a temper not a not like a president johnson temper you can look up if you don't know what i'm talking about but he's always had a temper and if you take that temper and you add to it um lapse in judgment and abilities that could end up with a mistake it's not to say that 
he himself, let's say the the Biden of 10 years ago would be bad. It's just the Biden of today, I don't think would be able to handle being president. And at this point, we're kind of in a situation, and this is why I really don't feel like voting for either, for I'm not going to vote for any of them, because, so I think either way at this point, we're going to be in trouble. Because, yeah, he can surround himself with the right people. The problem is that the, the right people don't always exist in Washington. And what you will see, or what I believe you'll see, is you'll have people within the government and, and who will then use his, I guess, um, failings, his, his um, I guess, frailty to their advantage. And I think as time goes on, he can easily be controlled by the corporate interests um, that now control Trump. It, it, for completely different reasons, not not because of, of uh, corruptness or any that kind of stuff, but simply because of um, his inability to detect that he's being um, controlled. So that, and I can't I can't sign on to that. I can't vote for that. So at this point, I'm not. I can't vote. I can't vote for either one of them. And I, I, I still, I don't know if there's any third-party candidates or whatever that are even worth voting for. Um, I didn't vote for Gary Johnson because, as a protest vote, I, I genuinely believed in what he represented, and that's why I voted. It was, it was a, a, a vote out of conscience. Now. Here is my thought. Now, this is completely, completely unfounded. I have no evidence, no... It's just my hunch and my... Based on my experience and knowledge on electoral... The kind of inner workings behind the scenes of elections and so on. But, again, don't... You know, this is my complete speculation with no evidence at all. I believe that... The Democratic Party did not want Biden. And th this goes back before the, you know, Corona and all this kind of stuff. They didn't want, or the Democratic Party did not want um, Bernie Sanders. Sorry. They didn't want Bernie Sanders, but they, they needed to make sure that he was out of the race. And the way to do that is to put all your eggs into Biden. Biden would be the one, because if Biden was if Biden wasn't supported the way it, they were, he was, and he was out of the race, then it it would have been um, Bernie Sanders. The other ones were trailing by you know single digits, you know maybe low double digits. They didn't want Bernie Sanders in, so they got Biden in. Well, here's the thing. I believe, and again, unfounded, completely unfounded, just my speculation, that I believe that Biden is just a placeholder at this point. He was the person that could bring in the votes to get the nomination, and of course, coronavirus and all that kind of made it a heck of a lot easier because then it became this sort of, well, we need to kind of coalesce around somebody to, to oppose what's going on, right? Anyways, he's just a placeholder. 
they have their convention. Once the delegates select the candidate, then comes something interesting. If the person resigns, if the, if the person who's been nominated resigns or isn't, for whatever reason, can't um, continue running, then the party can choose their replacement. Now, this has never been done before. This has never happened before. So there isn't any precedent. The thought is the vice president would be the person, or the vice presidential candidate would be the person who'd move up to take his place. But that's not necessarily um, needed. That's not that's not the rule. It's never happened before. There's no precedent for it. There's been vice presidents in either party, vice presidential candidates who's been replaced and so on, but never presidential candidates. The, the, the Democratic Party, here's, here's my hypothesis. I hate using theory as a science enthusiast because theory is based on evidence. You know, an hypothesis is just pulled out of your butt with some educational educated guessing going on based on prior knowledge and understanding anyways my hypothesis is that from the beginning as biden started to show his frailty they decided well we'll use him as a placeholder get him over the goalpost or, or, or over the end zone or whatever i don't know anything I'm, i i'm horrible at sports so i'm trying to make sports analogies i don't know what i'm talking about anyways they try to get him over the goalpost or whatever. And then once he's locked the nomination, that's it. The Then they can go and say, come up with something. Say, he's just not there. So, whatever. Whatever the excuse is. Then they replace him with somebody new that's handpicked by the party. That the party feels comfortable is electable and um is able to you know win against trump and who's you know a return to normalcy essentially now who that person is i don't know could be kamala harris um could be amy klobuchar or it could be it could be uh governor cuomo you know for all we know because they don't ha it doesn't have to be a, a candidate it could be a, you know, anybody that they choose, as long as they accept the nomination. And that is my hypothesis as to what is going on and why they are pushing this uh, Biden. Because otherwise, it makes no sense um, why they would have kept pushing. Because make no mistake, they could have easily um, pushed Biden out. You know, they're very good at doing that. They did that with with um, with Hillary during with Obama. Um, they they do it. They've done it twice with with uh, um, with um, Bernie Sanders. Now, that's also my hope at this point. Somebody that I can say. I'm good with. I can vote for that person. I'll be comfortable with that person in. Then, at that point, I will vote. Otherwise, I just I can't do it. 
and so but that's my thought is that there are, he's just a placeholder to keep the more progressive side of the democratic party out long enough to get him over the and over the hump of nomination and then they can use that seat remove him put somebody else or have him resign come up with something and then put somebody else in there that's my thought now let's see here one thing now getting into the uh the black lives matter protests and everything and current events i want to talk about dc statehood now i saw some people on face on my facebook uh news feed or whatever saying why are we doing this now it, you know they don't really understand what's going on it's not a it's not an indictment of them it's just not everyone follows things enough now now here's the thing with uh dc statehood now i forget the exact numbers but and i and i probably could pull it up um let's see if i can pull it up Now the um, let's see here. Now the District of Columbia has a population of about seven hundred thousand, six hundred thousand, depending on um, what. Um, there it is right there depending on you know the census or estimations okay so you have uh, about let's say 600,000 now you have states like Wyoming Vermont um, Alaska North Dakota pretty much have roughly the same amount of people okay so what when you compare it does have the population to to make a state this isn't just a city with you know you know a thousand people ten thousand people it's it can be a state in terms of population although there is no population uh, requirements for a statehood well here's the thing you have seven hundred thousand people who do not have a single vote in congress they have a representative in, I believe, the Senate. I'm not sure. But one of them, I believe the Senate, they have a representative, a non-voting representative. But they do not have Senate or um, House Representative representation at all. Okay? That means that, and not only that, and this is where this, is where this really started to happen. When Trump... Um, Trump originally, according to some reports, um, 
Trump was trying to send in, I believe, the 82nd Airborne into um, Washington, D.C. to quell the protests and, 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 the, and the looting and so on. But um, the National Guard ended up stepping in and saying, we'll do it. And then, of course, you saw the whole photo op and all that stuff that happened, right? Theoretically, the president can send in troops to Washington, D.C. anytime he wants. It's a federally controlled territory, unlike the states where, this, where he has to actually get permission from the states in order to, to, to send troops, unless he uses the Insurrection Act. Well, anyways, and obviously you saw the result of Trump enforcing his will on the city. So then you have Mayor Bowser and um, many others in the um, in Washington D.C. who are like, "Look, we want statehood so that this can't happen again." Think about it. You have seven hundred thousand people who have no representation in Congress, no representation in the federal government, but yet the federal government can do what it wants in that territory. And the thing is, this has become a partisan issue. I don't see why that's why this is a problem. Now, of course, when you throw partisanship into it, then it becomes a problem. The Republicans are likely to, because the Senate um, approved the bill. Wait, I believe it was the Senate. Let me uh, fact check it. The House. The House of Representatives approved the bill to um, make um, D.C. a state. The House is, or the Senate is where the problem is going to lie because the Republicans are um, opposing it. Now, why are they opposing it? They're saying they oppose it because it's just a bunch of lobbyists and that live there and so on, right? But of course there's all that's not the case it's not just lobbyists it's it's you know restaurant workers it's you know essential workers it's police it's all that you know a whole bunch of people who, who live there right it's a it's a city so of course it's not just you know it's not just a big hotel room with lobbyists the reason is um dc would vote democrat okay now, if you look at now, DC has um, three electoral votes, right? Now, if you look at the um, If you look at if you look at the electoral if you look at the electoral break uh, breakup here, um, chances are 
the Democrats would probably win the Senate seats and the House seats that would be um, allocated to um, D.C. And that's where that's where the issue lies with the Republicans is they feel that it would just be a essentially a handover of more seats and more control to the Democrats. And this is where it becomes a partisan issue. We don't want to win or we don't want to lose. So let's disenfranchise or continue the disenfranchisement. I think that's a word of D.C. voters because we don't want to lose seats in the uh, House, in the Senate, or gain, or or have the other party gain seats, really. Well, here's the thing. That's what elections are supposed to be for. That's what campaigning is supposed to be for, and that's what your policies are supposed to be for. It's supposed to be for, okay, the party evolves based on the trajectory of the country, right? Instead of worrying about new elect or new Senate and House seats, you should be worried about winning the seats that are there. And what I mean by winning the seats is having policies that appeal to a wider audience. That's the point of democracy. The problem is with our two-party system, it's not about appealing to a wide um, majority uh, and evolving your um, positions accordingly. It's about, for them, for, for both parties really, it's a matter of consolidating your base, right? So the Republicans want to disenfranchise 700,000 people including National Guard soldiers, police, essential workers, grocery stores, fast food, all these kinds of people who have no representation, African Americans, Hispanics, no representation in Congress, just so that they can ensure that they still have a majority in Congress. The majority to them is more important than the rights of 700,000 citizens. And make no mistake, if the if the DC area was mostly Republican, the Democrats would be opposing it. I, make no mistake about it. You know, um, I really don't think the the Democrats would be all all over this if they knew that it would ensure um more seats for the republicans and that's a problem with the two-party system um and to kind of go off into talk more about the whole because you know if, if you don't know what i'm talking about with the, the the photo op um trump or um attorney general Barr, we're not sure who who ordered protesters, peaceful protesters, to be gassed and cleared and shot at with rubber bullets and pepper balls and whatever, cleared out of uh, Lafayette Park so that Trump could walk across the road and hold a Bible in the weirdest way possible 
and take a photo in front of the uh, um, St. Stephen's Church, I think it's called. Don't quote me on that. But the church there, that was, uh, loot, or the basement was uh, burnt a little, um, I think the night before. Anyways, I kind of want to move on to the idea of militarizing the police, right? And you saw this, um, if you, you know, I'm 35, uh, I was, I believe, 16 when 9-11 happened, somewhere around there, um, 16, 15, somewhere like that. Um, nine, you know, for those who are younger than that, who, who didn't really live through that and before that, it's hard to see, you know, when all you know is the present day. The police used to not be militarized the way it is. You used to have a SWAT team. And what does SWAT team mean? Special weapons and tactics. Special. In other words, unique. Usually a county or state level or maybe citywide, depending on how big the area is, would have a dedicated group of people only responded maybe, I don't know, five, six, four, four, five, six times a year, depending on the area, obviously, some places more than others. But literally, all they did was train over and over again for that point when they had a hostage situation, a standoff, a uh, active shooter, a school shooting, all that kind of stuff. They would, there were specialized units whose entire job was confronting uh, people with higher, uh, a higher level of firepower than normal or certain hostage situations and so on, right? Okay. So, you have this situation, you have these special teams, right? Now, after 9-11 you started to see um, some sprinkling of funds and equipment to the police, right? To respond to possible terrorist situations. And then as the Iraq war and the uh, Afghan war uh, went, uh, went on, if you know anything about the military, I was in, um, I was actually in the National, Army National Guard in New York um, if you know anything about the military, we go through a lot of equipment. There's a lot of cycling through. You had Humvees and other equipment and, and things that were um, surplus, that were decommissioned. And programs were set up to uh, essentially uh, give that equipment to local law enforcement. Now, one thing you see now is you literally see, like I like when I worked at a Dunkin' Donuts, um, you would have the local police come in, and every once in a while, you would see a local police officer with full BDUs. For, for anyone who doesn't know that, that's battle dress uniform. Literally, the old style camouflage, or they would come in with digis, digital camouflage. Like fully, like... Um, Geneva Convention uniform as if they were military and you see this all the time you see this with 
Um, like if you go to a national national night out, a lot of times the local police will show off all their equipment and all their their military equipment and their you know all that stuff. Now, I I a hundred percent believe that there should be SWAT teams, but they're SWAT teams. They're specialized units who train constantly. Most of these police officers are too busy doing their job to properly train on this stuff. And here's the thing. And this is what I'm actually going to talk about. So, you know, we, we talk about demilitarizing the police, right? Well, let's say they want to be militarized, right? Well, then they should be um, militarized. If they want to be militarized, then militarize. And what do I mean by that? Being in the military, and anyone who's been in the military knows, you train constantly, over and over again. Like, I'm talking about five hours straight on a range, ready up, down, ready up, down, hitting targets, um... Uh, detecting which targets to hit and which ones not to hit, doing uh, movements and strategy and, t and, and, and constant role-playing. And, and um, we would have um, people pretending to be the enemy and then people be uh, pretending to be civilians. And, and, and you had to, you know, they would put you in these chaotic positions where you had like 10 people around you, you know, all dressed, you know, in civilian clothing, but one of them was the enemy and you had to you had to detect the enemy, but you couldn't, you know, all these scenarios constantly going through your head, constantly over and over and over and over and over again. And this is something you don't see a lot with police. Um, and, and that should be going on. If, if they want to be militarized, then militarize. And that means constant role playing so that when you go out there and you are scared, because that's the thing with the military is the point of, of, of all the muscle memory they're building into you in the military is so that you can override your natural instincts so when you're in that alleyway with somebody that you know you've never met before you're not going to be you, you're going to be scared but you're you're also going to be aware enough to know oh he's not he just has a cell phone or he's not moving at all or whatever or oh he has a gun I better blow his head off all those different things, the, the the muscle memory and the constant training takes away from your ability or allows you to disconnect your emotional reaction from your logical, you know, this is what I have to do in this situation, right? Also, um, the other thing is core values. And this is not to say that there aren't police officers and police um, uh, departments who don't have core values. They all take their oath. They all have a, a certain set of core values that they believe. The key here is, are they drilling it down? Are they actually drilling it into their heads? And here's what I'm talking about. If they want to be militarized, then militarize. Then really militarize. From the minute we step off that bus in the army um, we you know from the minute you step off um, that bus it is drilled into you 
the um you have this the seven army values right and i'm going to list them off loyalty duty respect selfless service honor integrity and personal courage and literally in every single thing you do it didn't matter if we were in the chow hall integrity loyalty duty all those things were drilled into you um And, you, you know, of course, in the military, you have situations like Abu Ghraib um, and, and things like that where, where, where the, the, the soldiers, you know, do illegal things, stupid things, um, overstep their bounds, whatever. You do, you have that, but you don't see it in the same widespread um, culture that you do in the police. And there you see instances in uh police uh um settings or, or police departments where they hide things where they you know oh well like like there was that the case um i think was i forget where it was i forget where it was but they brought in a suspect i believe into a hospital i and one of the got one of the police officers started beating him he was in a recliner the the suspect started beating him and it, it what it, it looks like the one of the other officers are lo is looking down the hall seeing if there's anything wrong if there anybody's coming right and it, it there just happened to be a surveillance camera or or you have the the situation where that police officer or that the, the i think the the, poli the plain clothes police officer ran over a suspect who was fleeing on foot and then, as the guy gets up and runs, kicks him. Or, or he tries to get up and run. He had a broken ankle or messed up ankle. He falls, and the guy kicks him. None of that was put in the police report. The police chief learned about it because of the video of a ring. Um, one of those ring doorbells. It was like in the middle of the night. They knew nobody was watching. So they lied. They, didn't, they omitted the, the, the use of force that occurred. This stuff, that stuff would not fly in the military. And of course, I can only speak for the army, but that would not fly in the army. From the minute you step off that bus, you are trained integrity. And that's really uh, one of the things that, you know, matters in this situation is integrity. And I'm going to read exactly what, it, what we're told, what we're taught. I mean, it's a paragraph off of um, GoArmy.com integrity doing what's right legally and morally integrity is a quality you develop by adhering to the moral to moral principles it requires you to do and say nothing that deceives others as your as your integrity grows so does the trust so does the trust others place in you the more choices you make based on integrity the more this highly prized value will affect your relationship with family and friends and finally the fun fun and finally the fundamental acceptance of yourself this stuff there there's seven of them but that's the one that really matters um is paramount in the military and it comes it doesn't matter if you came down to you know formation 
and somebody left a freaking floater in the bathroom and the sergeant asks who the hell left the floater you better be the one saying yep that was if, if it was you that was me you better be yep that was me because otherwise everybody else is going to get smoked until they find out who it was or some you know and in it, it, there's two situations with that you shouldn't put your uh your brothers essentially brothers or sisters in the position to have to rat on you that's the first thing second of a thing second thing is that integrity right and that is a, in that is what i believe is lacking in a lot of police departments is a core value that is drilled into you that no you don't pad your um your police report to make you to, to self-justify right to justify your actions you don't hide the actions of other officers um you know loyalty um and actually this is where another thing comes in because they are they, they try to be loyal to each other but that's not what it's about um, we're not taught in the military to be loyal to each other, although that is part of it. If you read loyalty, it's bear true faith and allegiance to the U.S. Constitution, the Army, your unit, and other soldiers. That doesn't mean blind loyalty to your soldiers no matter what. The Constitution, the laws, that comes first. That You're loyal to that. And then your soldiers. They, as police, they are law enforcement officers. Police are law enforcement officers. Therefore, their job is to enforce the law, no matter who it is who's breaking it. Okay? If it's the police, well, they better go against the police. And there's a culture, there's a culture in the, um, in the military, not a culture, it's the, it's the way of the military. Your commanders are the ones who discipline you. And in a court-martial, it's soldiers who are your judge, jury, and, and lawyer, and prosecution, okay? They police themselves, they police their own. You don't see that in it often enough in the police and not only that you have the police unions again I say if they want to be militarized then they should militarize there should be in every state a un some kind of un uniform code of um, law enforcement justice let's say something like that because in the military you're not only bound to the US laws but you're also bound to laws that pertain specifically to you as a soldier and those laws can be enforced by your commander in terms of a non-judicial uh, proceeding that's essentially disciplinary action where if you're AWOL or if you're insubordinate all that kind of stuff or you do something that isn't illegal per se but is against the um, the laws of the military in terms of you know uh, military uh, or unit cohesions whatever you can be um, you get what's called an article 15 now there's several layers to that you can either be fined you can be uh, assigned extra labor extra duty or both right and then of course there's the 
um, laws that apply, or there's the judicial proceedings, which are the court martials, right? Now, if you get an Article 15, you can actually appeal it to a court martial, but 99% of the time, that's dumb. Anyways, there should be a uniform code of law enforcement, justice, or something, essentially a section within the um, laws of a state which just pertain to law enforcement. And what is, instead of things being suggested um, practices, right, they should be codified into law statewide, right? So that the SOPs, so that the, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the policies and procedures aren't just policies and procedures, they're law. And what this does is, it takes the power, now of course, in my opinion, I don't think um, police should be unionized, but that's a discussion for a different topic. You codify their behavior on the job as law, now it, it, it takes away the employer aspect of it, where, oh, well, they, they violated policy, now we got to go through some judicial process through a um a union right you take that away and you say this is this is law okay no chokeholds or or chokeholds in only certain situations whatever um this is how you use force this is what you can do what you can use force in what situation what, what all the rules that govern the police in a state should be codified into law so that the chief has the power, or the the mayor, or the the, the uh, city council, whatever, has the power to say this is a law that was broken, and we can charge you with it. It can either be, and you can make you know either a misdemeanor, felony. It could be like a, a civil um, citation of some kind, uh, where the law is the law, right? And it, it, it no longer becomes this inter arbitration dispute be between the, the the city and the department and a union right so like I said if they want to um, be like if they want to be militarized then militarize be like the military the being like the military isn't just cool little cool tactical gear and cool guns and equipment it's discipline it's um, respect integrity loyalty selfless service all those things that make the military what it is if they want all the toys that come with being a military then they should adhere to the way the military operates in terms of policing itself and making sure that their soldiers are operating with the utmost of integrity so let's see here now getting into that now of course i i don't think that the mil that the police should be militarized now one thing i want to talk about is this idea of um hold on I want to talk about this idea of defunding the police and to be honest with you i think the the black lives matter movement and the movement, police, anti-racism, anti-police brutality movement, kind of 
um, maybe it's just a PR issue and or a branding issue or whatever. Because the minute somebody hears defund the police, they think, you know, lawlessness, right? They're going to cut the police out and it's just going to be nuts. Thing is, um, was it Camden, New Jersey did this. They, they literally took out the police and started some started with something new, right? Um, and, okay, I'm a little out of focus right now. Okay, there we go. It's back in focus. Anyways, so you have um, this idea of defunding the police. Personally, I think it's just a, a, a bad, there's bad PR behind it. Because when you actually understand what they're talking about, it makes sense. And now, I used to be a firefighter and a, um, a driver for, uh, for, an, uh, for an EMS squad. And anyone who's ever driven with me knows that that's the dumbest idea for anybody to have me behind the wheel of anything. I am horrible. Anyways, you know, on a side note, I took a guy who was seven days constipated down the bumpiest road possible because I got lost on the way to the hospital. And the guy was in pain with seven days of constipation in his gut. Yeah, I was known by name. Like every, like the paramedics were like, God damn it, not him. Anyways, so with this experience, I've dealt with the police in the other side of it, where we've been responding with them in uh, mental health situations and um, things of that nature, right? And one thing I've noticed is, for one, the police is overutilized. We've had situations where things started to get violent as we're dealing with a schizophrenic who has authority issues, right? And it got to the point, there was one situation where we, the, um, the man ended up gra grabbing a knife when the cops showed up, right? Guns blazing, well not blazing, but um, their guns drawn and everything. And the EMT ended up having to tell the police to get out, like that they were making things worse. Luckily, they listened, and there was a de-escalation of the situation, right? The thing is, in that situation, it could have gotten worse. Like, the, if based on rules of engagement of a lot of these police departments... That man could have been shot. Now, I end up riding with this guy, or I end up driving the guy to the mental hospital, and then I end up having to stay in, in, a, um, in an empty room with him while they were doing whatever, process, in processing and so on. And the, you know, the guy's apologizing to me, like, I'm sorry, you guys had to come out here. And I was like, well, look, I'm sitting in a, uh, in a cot in a ambulance garage I really don't care it doesn't hurt me any 
to have to come out here and help you. It actually makes me feel good that I'm here to help you. But he wasn't an evil man. He wasn't, it, it, there, there's something wrong with him. He was schizophrenic and he needed the help he could get to um, remedy the situation. But yet, time and again, people like this end up getting shot because the wrong people show up. Okay? That's not to say the police shouldn't show up for that situation. But they shouldn't be the lead. Okay? And this is, this is where the whole defund the police comes in. It's a matter of taking them away from these situations where they're not going around patrolling for homeless people. So have social services deal with that. They're not go they're not responding to a mental health situation or you know even maybe a welfare check, you know, send one officer with a social worker whatever. The idea isn't we're going to slash the police department um, budget and you're going to have to do without the idea is you take responsibility away from the police officers. You take responsibility away from police officers. You give it to social workers and in all these different programs, drug rehab programs and so on. And it actually gives the police more time to train and get that muscle memory they need. Because let's face it, muscle memory is what gets you out of doing making bad decisions, right? When, when somebody's posing a, 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 a sense of threat to you and you react based on emotion, you can make a mistake. This by, by taking that responsibility away from the police officers, they have more time to do to actually do real crime fighting, you know, murders, rapes, robberies, all that stuff. Because let's face it, like police officers do a lot. They are doing, you know, mental health issues. They're doing, you know, uh, social services, um, social work. They're being sent into schools to deal with an unruly kid. Things of that nature. Um, some autistic kid that's going, you know, bonkers in the school. They're sending the police in. And... I honestly believe that the police would be in a better situation for law enforcement if they did this. Now, the idea or the, the, the phrase defund the police, honestly, I think is a PR issue. It's a branding issue. Um, maybe call it, you know, reallocating resources or, um, you know, focus the police or refocus the police, perhaps, you know. Something like that would probably be better. So I do blame the Black Lives Matter movement for a branding problem in, in this situation. Because it does give ammunition to the other side, the anti-reform uh, people to say, look, they want to take away the police, right? When if you look in Camden, New Jersey, they were... a in a really bad situation um, years ago and they actually completely revamped the police and they end up, it, it was to the point where during the black uh, the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement they actually marched with the Black Lives Matter protests they actually marched alongside them the police department did 
so you know when it comes to defunding police i think it's a it's there's a branding issue a marketing issue in terms of getting the the message out but i do believe that there needs to be a refocusing of the police of police duties now part of this is um uh is legalization of um now i would go as far as saying legalization of all drugs or de or at least decriminalization of drugs right not necessarily legalization but decriminalization and you see this uh, sort of thing in, in many countries in Europe where they've done this and, and they've reallocated the resources that used to go into law enforcement into drug rehab centers where drugs are no longer the because you know if somebody's an alcoholic they can go to AA right now and say I'm an alcoholic you know let's go it's harder with somebody with a drug problem because in a lot of a lot of situations you have to be drug free to be in these in, in these treatment centers or else they'll turn you in or else they'll arrest you and that stigma that cre that it creates makes it harder for them to get off of the these drugs right so you decriminalize drugs now i i think pot it's pot should be legal but when it comes to other drugs, you decriminalize it, you focus the resources on prevention and treatment, and you allocate the police time towards other things, like training, like de-escalation training and muscle memory training, right? Scenario-based training, which is really important. Like, you learn that in the military, scenario-based, and SWAT teams for that matter. SWAT teams are so good. You, you never hear this issues with SWAT teams. They, they'll go in, they'll pick off the, the, the guy with the gun, they'll get the, the hostage, whatever, because they do a lot of scenario-based training over and over and over again so that it overrides your emotion. So then you take that, you take the defunding the police. Hold on. And then you bring it to my final point of this podcast, which is, or at least a question, do the police, as its, as its, as its role currently is, actually do more harm than good? Now, I'm not talking about across the board. I'm talking about in, in certain situations, again, mental illness. Here you have somebody who is having probably the worst day of their life, right? I've sat, I, I've been in situations where I'm face to face with somebody who is attempting to commit suicide, who wants to commit suicide, who literally has given up on life. And now you throw in the police, you throw in the, you know, not only does my life suck but now I'm a criminal you have you know it's easy and, and then of course you have situations it's easy to say well they shouldn't break the law right well here's the thing so you have a father who gets a three strike law life in prison for some minor offense right like a felony drug possession 
in some states you get three strikes and you're out. You can get life in prison. So you have now you have a uh, a single mother trying to raise their kid. You have father figures, right? Again, drug the drug war, right? Um then you have a son who is doesn't have a father figure. And the mother's doing everything they can, but there's only so much you can do when, you know, do you go to work? Do you stay home with them all the time? Or do you go to work and now they're walking the streets, influenced by other gang members, right? Influenced to get into gangs. Now they are in that situation. Drug war again. Now they spend time in jail. And the thing is... The thing is, a lot of gangs, they call prison university. Oh, he went to university. And here's a... So they call prisons university. Why is that? It's because that's where they learn. That's where you learn the tricks of the trade of being a gangbanger. Then you're released out onto the street. Somebody who could have been, you know, possibly diverted into a drug treatment facility or, again, I'm talking about nonviolent offenders who could have been caught in the beginning stages before they're driven to that point. But because... It's this sort of zero tolerance, sort of the police have to get in there, the police have to enforce the law. You lose sight of the fact that in some cases you're, you're going to destroy the lives of people, right? You have, um, I believe it was Ferguson, okay? I'm going to look this up. Just to make sure. I just want to make sure I was not talking out of my ass here. Um, Ferguson, which of course um, we know because of the uh, if you recognize that that name is because of the Michael Brown shooting, right? Well, Ferguson had the situ had had a system by which they would go into black communities and they would ticket. You know, ticket, 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 ticket for, you know, tent for broken taillight for whatever. Speeding. And then they would, of course, these people couldn't afford to pay the tickets, right? Then they would go to collections. Well, of course, if you know, if you know about collections with private companies, you owe a thousand dollars or a thousand dollars is owed to you. You sell that contract or whatever to a collections agency for I don't know a hundred dollars, two hundred, just to make money, just to get something out of it, right? And then they, and then it's up to them to try to get the rest of them to to make the profit on that, right? So there was a scheme in Ferguson where they literally would 
try to ticket as many people as possible and of course you uh, you target the the black community the inner city community because they're not going to sit there and fight tickets it's harder for them to fight tickets and to sue and all this kind of stuff right you try that in a white neighborhood you're going to get some care and going out you know clawing your eyes out right and you know suing you you know getting the whole community behind you right so what they would do is they would tickets they, they would write all these tickets and then they would you know the people go to court or they might not show it to court whatever they get a, a guilty verdict and then they would send you know the person couldn't pay so instead of enforcing it right with, with warrants or whatever they would send it to a collections agency all for revenue purposes you write a you know five hundred dollar ticket you get a hundred dollars out of it the 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 city makes money off of it regardless well here's the thing you get too many tickets or if your tickets aren't paid you get a suspended license and this is what i'm talking about with the law enforcement being more more harmed than good if you're a single mom and you can't pay for things or a sing or a single dad or a dad or whatever you you can barely afford to pay your rent you're not going to pay that ticket and what's going to happen you're going to lose your license now you're driving without a license because of course here's the thing you know we talk about you know black people need to pull themselves you know or poor people for that matter should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make it out right most job most inner cities do not have well-paying jobs so what do you do you have to go outside the city it means you need a car which means you need a license registration insurance well guess what you just got fined five hundred dollars do you pay it or do you skip it because you can't afford it because you're trying to keep that job right you'll either pay it which is the I guess the smartest thing to do and now you're going without rent now you're going without paying your insurance or your you know light bills whatever or you don't pay it you lose your license or you don't pay your insurance or what have you now you're getting pulled over and arrested for driving without a license or driving without insurance or driving without a registered vehicle all because you're trying to get out of the city to actually get a high, higher paying job it's this cycle right and this is where the idea of systemic racism comes from a lot of people get offended with that word or that phrase because they they think it means that there's some you know some guy sitting there oh you know those black people we need to keep them down how do we do that it's not that's not what it means systemic racism is systems that are put in place target black people not on purpose but because bureaucracy targets um the path of least resistance try setting up a scheme where you're writing tickets for collections in a white neighborhood rich white neighborhood they'll either pay it which doesn't affect anything right oh well or you'll get a lot of pissed off people are going to show up to your department and say you know do you know who i am you know and the next elections 
they're going to elect a mayor that's going to boot out the the uh, chief right you don't have that with with the inner city they don't have that power so you can target these areas you can target these areas and get this you know get that revenue again most cities and most towns when they do their budgets account for revenue coming from tickets and fines they count it as revenue as if you can predict it when theoretically you shouldn't be able to predict it because your goal is to have it be as low as possible so they are targeting these areas because they're the easiest to target you're not going to get the pushback you're not going to get the political pushback and then it becomes a cycle it becomes a cycle where do you choose to obey the law this is where you know the the whole all oh, they should be they they should just obey the law doesn't work obeying the law is a luxury it's a and this this is true with any morality you know if you're in the african savanna and you know 10 you know 100,000 years ago and there's a lack of game that you can hunt right a lack of animals right in that area and you find one animal and you kill it and you're about to eat it and another tribe comes to try to steal it because they're hungry are you gonna say well we're not supposed to kill people it's not right no you're not gonna say that you're gonna put a freaking arrow in their head freaking massacre the entire freaking tribe and then go along go about your business of eating the whatever the fuck you hunted gazelle or whatever morality is a convenience this is why poverty this is why poverty and crime is correlated when you have the resources to obey the law it's easier to obey the law if you can pay for your insurance you can pay for that speeding ticket you can pay for the fine um if you can go down the road and get a, a good paying job you're going to do it because it's easier but if if the only well-paying job in your area that you can you can actually afford to go to is dealing drugs or if you get a fine and you can't pay it and you're going to lose your license or if you can't afford to pay for insurance but you need to get a job that's well-paying so that you're not dealing drugs on the streets and you're trying to do things as legally as possible you find yourself in a cycle you find yourself in a cycle where it's not about right or wrong decisions it's what decision is the least likely going to fuck up my life and in that situation a lot of times there is no right answer 
It's a matter of making the least wrong answer and hope you don't get caught. And that's the trap of poverty. So it's easy when, you, when you're doing well or all right to say, oh, well, they should just follow the law. But it's a lot harder when you have to feed your family or you have to feed yourself or you're trying to get out but sometimes you have to do some dirty things in order to get yourself there you see that that's like the the life story of a lot of rappers where you know they used to sell drugs they used to do all sorts of crazy stuff they just happened to get themselves into a situation where they were able to get themselves out and a lot of times that drug money was used to to fund um um studio time and so on right so the moral of my story here is sometimes the police don't aren't making the neighborhood a better place and are actually contributing to the situation and this is where law enforcement needs to change its culture where it's no longer and you see this in in um more rural communities like in my in in the places i grew up in where i live um my nephew pointed a uh, a paintball gun at an officer and didn't get killed A lot of time, and, and I believe it was D.L. Hughley who said that the police officers that patrol the streets in the inner city aren't the same police officers that patrol the white neighborhoods and the the rich neighborhoods. And I live in a pretty well-to-do area. I've, I I always have, or at least a you know a rural area. I've never lived in the inner city. One thing you see is. Police officers who live, who, who work in r more rural areas, one, they're more likely to know the neighborhood and know the neighbors, but they live, they, they, they work more on the idea of the, um, the spirit of the law, right? Rather than the letter of the law, where in the inner city, it's more about arrest numbers and, and you know, um, tickets and trying to get your numbers to where you need to be and to enforce the law the problem is the law has no as a general idea the law has no emotion it has no empathy it has no understanding the law is just words and there's a reason why courts have have not routinely but have all the time have shown courts have ruled that police and prosecutors for that matter have discretion to prosecute or not right this is why they can let you off with a warning because the point of the law there you may have the law right but it doesn't mean you have to enforce it all the time and you have to take an assessment and i'll, I'll use the example of a police officer who was called for a shoplifter right um
and let's see if I can pull up the story. It's uh, Tarrant. Let's see where. Tarrant, Alabama, right? In T-A-R-R-A-N-T. Tarrant, Alabama. There was a police officer who was called to the scene of a shoplifter. Let's see if I can get this. Uh, put up here. Uh, a terror police officer delivers food to grandmother who shoplifted eggs. He was called for shoplifting. And of course, if you go by the letter of the law, let's throw her in jail. You know, this mother with kids or grandmother, whatever, right? She was caught stealing eggs. And what did he do? He didn't arrest her. He paid for the eggs. Okay, let me get this thing off the screen here. He paid for the eggs. And then the police, the whole police department showed up with bags of food. They delivered food to this woman. Now, I bet if you were to scroll down in the comments of the video the news report of this, the video on YouTube or something, you'd have a bunch of police, a bunch of <clears throat> people complaining, oh, you know, they should have arrested her, you know, whatever. And this is what I talk, what I'm talking about with the police being more harm than good. This is the opposite. And this is where the idea of the spirit of the law, the spirit of the law when it comes to shoplifting is to prevent shoplifting. Now, I don't know, but this woman is probably not going to be shoplifting anytime soon. She probably learned her lesson. Not only that, I don't, let's see here, I believe, let's see, if I, whoops. see if I can get out of here now the situations like this prevent crime not only her but her grandchildren her children it creates that um, It gets the community to believe in the police again. You bet that if there's a shooting in front of her house, let's say, she's more likely to talk if she was a witness. Because it's not this, the cold-hearted police officers who 
locked her up for, for stealing eggs to feed her family. It's the police officers who brought her groceries because she was in need. And now they're in need. The biggest problem in the inner city when it comes to crime is who do you trust? Do you, do you trust the police to protect you if you come forward? Do you care to come forward and help the police when they just locked up your brother or shot your brother or whatever? And this is the idea of the police can either do more harm than good or they can be a force for good and law enforcement isn't just about enforcing the law it's about crime prevention and sometimes crime prevention requires not locking somebody up and teaching them a life lesson and being an example for your community And I'm going to end this podcast um, here. And I'm sorry I don't have any intro music yet or any of that kind of stuff. But hopefully you like the podcast and hopefully we can uh, continue this podcast uh, in the future with different topics. Um, it's going to be a weekly podcast. comes out every Monday. Um pretty much because I don't work on on the weekend so it makes it easier to record so um thank you for now and um hopefully I'll see you next week or I guess not really see you or hear you but hopefully you'll hear me next week thank you this is Victor Rodriguez bye I suck at this but whatever <laughs>